Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a totally real conversation. Definitely. Absolutely. I always want to do one of those intros to a podcast where it's like mid-conversation and people are just shooting the shit, kind of getting to know each other or whatever. And, you know, the sound guy starts recording. So it's like real casual. It's like a candid picture, but it's a podcast. And creates a vibe you know and you just sort of all of a sudden you're like oh we're recording we're recording now oh all right well let's do it let's do the podcast what do you think ready that's it we're doing it it's jesse miles podcast with your host jesse miles snyder aka the meme king aka edge lord supreme aka his royal dankness it's Saturday the 14th. Ooh, spooky. Um, <laughs> that's actually a movie. It's like a some sort of satirical horror film from like, let's see, 1981. 1981. Wow, and there was a sequel. Saturday the 14th Strikes Back. Go check it out, or don't. It's not good. Those aren't good movies. They exist. I don't even know why I'm talking about movies. This isn't a podcast about movies. Although if it it would be if I talked about movies. Anyway, this is Jesse Miles' podcast, episode 15. I tried to do I tried to do an episode 15 with video, but I was using my laptop to record, and the audio is horrible, and I can't fix it. And so I'm doing this, and I'll try again later. I was gonna do a little like, uh, like a little thing, like kind of like when people stream video games. But I'm just on my computer talking, and you see what's on my screen and whatever. Anyway, uh, that'll be later. There's gonna be more, more Jesse Miles podcast stuff coming. Uh, we got a new Instagram page, so go follow that shit at Jesse Miles Podcast. Uh, I just kind of felt like splitting up. Uh, the podcast with my personal uh, Instagram page. It's sort of a pain in the ass to balance like food porn and and the podcast and my personal posts and art and photos of food and the dog and whatever. It's just it gets really convoluted. And uh, I wanted to be able to keep my my Instagram page mostly with art and just like news and stuff like that with random pictures, but. The podcast page will be a real shit show of just memes. So many memes. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. I think it'll be fun, though. It gives me a little more room to play with. So follow that shit. We currently have zero followers because I haven't told anyone about it yet. But by the time this airs, I will have posted at least a couple times. And, uh, yeah. So follow that right now at Jesse Miles Podcast. Just remember, it's like the podcast, but it's on Instagram. All right, so, um, what's happening? I don't know, nothing. Nothing's happening. It's, uh, yeah, Saturday the 14th of December. Christmas is coming soon. Hopefully it fucks off. It seems like it won't ever. Um, I don't mind Christmas. I actually kind of like it, but eh, I don't know. It just makes me feel stressed and, like, it's unnecessary. Um, so, I, I'm, I don't know, and I don't have, like, kids to buy stuff for, and I really, if I wanted, I could buy nobody anything, and it would probably be okay, but, I don't know, it's just, like, the season, the season makes it stressful, people's energy, everyone's out and about, but, like, reluctantly so, I think I talked about that last episode, so, I don't know, 
Anyway, hang on a second. Hello. That would have been if you got in after 6 p.m., so you're just on the day rate right now. I would. You're good. You f no problem. People always get a kick out of it when I say that I wouldn't park here either. Anyway, I'm at work if that's not obvious. But what's new? Um, I do plan to record somewhere else, but I say that every episode. And it's just, it's fun to record here while I'm at work. I'm not doing anything. I don't really have time to do anything else. It's too busy. It's Saturday. Um, it's going to start getting a little extra busy. I don't, I, you know, as always, uh, just making bad decisions for comedic value. Making bad decisions for comedic value. Uh, yeah, it's a busy one, but you know, it just makes for good podcasting. So here we are. This is like the the first podcast of the Instagram era of Jesse Miles' podcast. Even though I've been on Instagram, I just used my own, and now I have a, a dedicated one. Jesse Miles' podcast. Go follow it on Instagram. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. So I got four dollars total. Cool. Oh, I was expecting a five, so I had this one just cocked and loaded. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, gun terminology, am I right? So, uh, what's going on with me? Let's start it out with that. I don't know, nothing. Um, been doing a little bit of stuff for like people's Christmas gifts, but not a ton. Um, haven't been as busy as last year with like custom food porn orders, but whatever. I don't care. I'm not mad. No, I don't know. It sucks, but also I haven't had to do a lot of work in that regard, so that's cool. Um, just been, you know, working at the garage extra to make up for that. Um, but I don't know. I think it'll, it'll come around. Um, I'll make up for it one way or another. Um, speaking of things that suck, uh, that thing in Winooski that I'm doing with Will C, who's at Wheelie Willie on Instagram. Uh, if you forgot, shout out to that guy. Uh, it's not happening. Um, something happened with the house, and they're not going to be there as long as they thought. Something, something, words, words, words. I don't know. Um, it's a bummer, but it's sort of like par for the course as far as art stuff goes, because shit just falls through all the time. Um, it's just kind of a thing, and you just sort of roll with it and go on to the next thing. Um, I think, though, like, once they get another house established, I'd be perfectly welcome there. Maybe not being able to, like... Like, we were... We, we, we got permission to bust a hole in a wall between two rooms and paint both the rooms. Which would have been amazing, but also I was a little stressed out about the idea. The whole thing sounds like a huge pain in the ass, and I honestly didn't even know if I could afford supplies. But I was, I would have made it work one way or another, but I don't know. I'm a little relieved in a way that I don't have to figure out this like daunting task, but also I still want to do something cool. So uh, I think after the holidays, me and Will are going to kind of figure out what else we could collab upon. Um... I don't know. I'll just keep keep fucking going. Just keep painting, food, having sex, and that keep, that seems to keep people happy. And then seeing what else I can break into in the meantime, doing all that abstract stuff. 
There's a pretty fucking sweet show up at the Space Gallery right now, the place where I have my studio, um, called Small Works, and there's like, I don't know, 50-something artists there all doing small things. They had to be under 12 inches by 12 inches by 12 inches. So, um, that's pretty cool. Um, that was the first time I showed any abstract stuff. None of it has sold, but I didn't really like, I don't know. I didn't go into it expecting it to sell. It's just kind of, if it does, that'd be neat. But if it doesn't, I'm not too ripped up about it. I had a lot of fun making those paintings. And, uh, you know, it would just be a little icing on the cake if someone actually bought any. But if not, no worries. Um, I don't know. Things are still kind of slowly selling here and there. It's definitely slowed down uh, lately. But I think that might be due to me just, like, not pushing it enough or maybe pushing it too much. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, the best thing that happened since the last podcast was my Spotify wrapped. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, Spotify, you know, wraps up your year and gives you this little, like, slideshow, basically, of everything you listen to. Like, you know, the, the analytics of everything you listen to, all your top artists and songs and whatnot. Um, so, anyway, I thought this was, it was an interesting one. Usually it's, like, more predictable, but this year it was funny because I've been listening to a ridiculous amount of Wu-Tang. So, like, my top, my Spotify top five for this year, and it, it doesn't count everything because I listen to a lot of stuff on Bandcamp and, uh, SoundCloud, um, and sometimes on YouTube, uh, but Spotify is, like, it's probably, like, I don't know, 75% of, like, what I, I use that probably 75% of the time. So, anyway, uh, first was Ghostface Killer, which was not, which was not a surprise at all. Uh, the second was Bruce Springsteen. The third was Method Man. Fourth, Raekwon. And fifth, Capadonna. Which, I, I kind of wish it was just a full Wu-Tang spread, because that would have been great, but... I think it's pretty hilarious that Springsteen came in at number two. Uh, and it was only because of that Live on Broadway album that I've been talking about, like, since I started this podcast. Uh, I don't know how many times I've listened to it, but the hilarious thing was that all my top songs for the year were all just from that album. It was, like, ten songs just from that one album. Um, so it really skewed the results, but I thought it was funny. Um... My top podcast of the year was my own, um, because I have been going through this podcast and finding things I've said in past episodes, and in another episode later, someday when I get it together, I'm going to kind of argue with myself, because there's a lot of stuff I said that I no longer agree with, so, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I just kind of, I fucked up by using Spotify to do that. I should probably just listen on, on something that doesn't track me, um, so that next year I can have a more uh, legit result. But um, the other ones I were uh, Dissect, which is a really great one. It's this guy who just breaks down albums, like literally line for line, and it's phenomenal. Spends like an entire season on one album. The other one, the other bigger one was the Bunny Years podcast, which is Macaulay Culkin's podcast, which need, need I say more. Um, and then... The other two were uh, the Aggressively Passive podcast and BZ podcast. Both uh, podcasts I found out through Lur Stevens and EBN Squadron. Uh, they just had, I think uh, Lur was on BZ and they had all of EBN on 
aggressively passive and i like it it's just too like philly podcasts and uh, aggressively passive is just like a few people talking just i don't know it's like just listening to friends talk about shit and they're just amusing people and i enjoy it hang on Anyway, um, all right, uh, yeah, so what was I saying? Aggressively passive, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's, it's three people talking and it's the best. So check them out, uh, One Passive Podcast on Instagram, the number one passive podcast, uh, shout out to them, shout out to One Passive Podcast, shout out to BZ Podcast too, that's just like two friends talking and they have guests and stuff and it's a little more like chilled feels a little more structured too than uh than uh aggressively passive but uh i don't know still good just i don't know good listening so anyway that was a lot of talk about podcasts i just wanted to mention uh aggressively passive and bz because i like them moving on moving on uh another thing that was fun was that so they showed like how many new artists you discovered and then, or not, no, how many artists you discovered? They're not new artists, but they're new to you. Uh, and the one I listened to the most out of that group was Capadonna. Uh, 29 hours of Capadonna. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, and so on Instagram, on, in my story, you might have seen this, but I, I said something about that and I tagged Capadonna. And then he replied, like, moments later. Uh, he didn't reply, but he put that post in his story. Which, if you're on Instagram and know anything about it, that's kind of a big deal. Like, especially when, like, a celebrity does it. And I thought that was awesome. And so, I'm looking at who, like, who else watched my stories. And so, Capadonna watched the one with him, and then he watched all the ones after that. And he didn't see the one saying that, like, my top five, that he was in my top five, and that he, alongside three other uh, Wu-Tang Clan members, what he did see was my top five of the decade that says that my number one listened to artist of the decade was Post Malone. So I was a little bit embarrassed about that, but then I thought about it, and it's like, if, if someone said, like, Capadonna will pay attention to you on the internet for 30 seconds, however, he will become aware that you love Post Malone, I would take that trade. It's not that bad. Um, so, I don't know. I thought that was great, and I love that he replied, and, um, you know, so now we're tight. We're best friends. Uh, we're, we've been hanging out a lot. Um, I don't know. The other, the, the whole top five of the decade is Post Malone, Tom Waits, Ghostface Killa, Bruce Springsteen, and Coheed and Cambria, because I'll never stop being a Coheed fan. Um, they're definitely one of my favorite bands. I don't talk about them much. I haven't listened to them a lot lately, but... They'll always have a special place in my heart. Hang on. Hello. Hello. So we got six dollars. Twenty. Another twenty. Fourteen. Thank you. Thank you. Just a pro tip, like. If something costs six dollars and you got that extra dollar and you have a twenty, give me the fucking extra dollar so I don't have to give you all my ones. It's just, I know it's not your problem, but it it is. It is your problem. I'll make it your problem. All right. 
Uh, moving on. Moving on. We got the Journey of the Woo. Journey of the Woo 2 is done. It's dead. I killed it. Journey of the Woo 3 is alive. Um, Journey of the Woo 3 is a little different. Basically, in this one, I listen to each album until I'm sick of it, or I at least know it front to back, and I get the point. You know, either I'll it'll it'll kill me and I'll have to just stop, or it's like, all right, this album's great, and maybe it's the type of thing I could just continue listening to over and over again. Um, the goal being to like gain a solid opinion of each album and be able to say without question which ones I like the most. The end goal being to have a list of all the albums ranked by most favorite, or at least have like a few different categories, like from bottom of the bucket to like god tier albums or something um and and each in each podcast episode i'll talk about like i don't know one to three albums or so and rank them along with the ones i ranked previously you know so i think this one i'm gonna start out with three just to give us a nice base and then i'm gonna go from there so uh here we go this is the Wu-Tang Minute. This is the start of Journey of the Wu 3, and this is the Wu-Tang Minute. Although, at this point, they're all going to probably be a little longer than a minute. I should probably change this sound. Or not. Alright, so this is going to take a while because it's getting busy, but here we go. Journey of the Wu 3. Um, oh, so the first one on the list is actually a pre-Wu-Tang album from Jizza called Words from the Genius, and I'm not including that because it's bad, and I feel like Jizza would agree with my decision. I'm not sure, but I'm just, that's, I'm just making an executive decision there. We're not doing anything pre-Wu-Tang, uh, mainly because that album is not good. Um, so... You know, he was on, like, a, an old label. Like, basically, he got picked up by a manager who wanted to turn him into a pop star, and it went to shit, and thankfully, we ended up with Wu-Tang instead of the genius, as he went by at the time. So, um, we're going through three albums, just in chronological order, and then I'll talk about which ones are my favorite. All right, so the first album is a perplexing one for me. Um, I love it for what it is. Uh, but I don't think I like it as much as I'm supposed to, according to, like, hip-hop history, <laughs> whatever that means. I don't know. It's, uh, Gravediggers with RZA, um, Six Feet Deep. Um, so, this album, uh, it's this group Gravediggers, and it's, it's, it's RZA with two other MCs. Uh, you got, you got Prince Paul, Fruquan too poetic and the rizza um okay so three <laughs> and they go by the undertaker the gatekeeper the grim reaper and the resurrecta respectively hey how much there you go thanks hey too yeah um and the thing that's weird fucking shit hang on hello someone has to uh the eight dollars and there you go. Thank you. Who the fuck would get an American Express card? It's like, I want a card that most places don't accept. But we do. 
Um, anyway, so yeah, you know, you got you got all these uh, MCs uh, who at the time relatively unknown, especially to RZA, who's in Wu Tang Clan, who just dropped Thirty Six Chambers and is like touring the world right now. Uh, and at some point, he decides to make this crazy uh, horrorcore album, which, as you might know, I am a fan of uh, the genre. Um, and I I love that. I love that it's like really dark humor. Uh, it really, it's like satirical at times, almost. Uh, but it's also one of the first horrorcore albums, so I don't know if that counts as a satire. If there's nothing to satirize, is that the word? Let's see what time it is. Let's see what time it is. So I'm switching to the prepay and thought, oh, you got that. You don't need anything. That makes it free. Just go park. Show that when you leave. Motherfucker asking about free parking has got a handicap tag. You don't have to pay anything with that. Anyway. Everyone, oh, God, it's like five minutes to six, so it's just like this train of stupidity and everyone just asking about the evening rate. I don't know. I might just switch early. No one's going to be mad. Everyone wants that night rate. But, <clears throat> fuck them. So anyway, uh, yeah, I really love uh, horrorcore, and I love the whole genre, and I think it's, you know, there, and I, I think it's a really great, like, early horrorcore album. It's, it's known as, like, a pioneer of the genre. It's just, like, a thing. So um, I was excited to dive in, and the reason I couldn't, binge the album is because it's a horrorcore album. It's like watching only horror movies. If you only watch horror movies and nothing else, you're going to become a weird person. Just like if I keep listening to this album over and over again, it's going to make me all weird. Uh, so I couldn't figure out what it was because I like the album, but the amount of times I've been listening to all these albums, like that one was probably the least because as soon as I was like, all right, I get the point of this album, I had to stop because it was just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take. Um, but it's great. Um, like I already said, it's a really fun, very dark humor-based uh, album. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how you doing? Just $5 for the night. Oh, yeah. Yep. Love it. Just show that to get out later, and you're all set. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, so, uh, <laughs> oh man, this is going to take so long. Let's pull right up here. How you doing? Hello, good, Just, how are you? Yeah, five bucks for the night. There you go. Thank you very much. You're welcome, take care. Um, so I just handled someone's credit card and it was one of those thick, heavy credit cards. And I learned on, I think, the Fire Festival documentary. I don't remember which one because I watched both. Uh, they're on Hulu and Netflix and you should watch them because it's astounding. F-Y-R-E Festival. Uh, that shit, like, they make credit cards like that just to make people feel important when they use them. And I always think it's hilarious when I get one. And I hope to never have one of my own so that I can continue making fun of people who have them. So, uh, anyway, that's my story about heavy credit cards. So, back to this album, Six Feet Deep. Uh, it, like I said, for what it is, it's a great album, especially in hip-hop history, in horrorcore history. Plus, Kill a Priest uh, makes his first uh, released appearance, uh, as does Shabazz the Disciple. Um, someone else, too, right? 
Oh, Dreddy Krueger, uh, who you'll see around um, when you're listening to Wu Tang. Uh, all of the all of those guys made their first like recorded appearances. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. I love Killer Priest. I really think he should be in Wu Tang also. I mean, he almost is, but they should have just gone all in. Um, it, so yeah, it feels almost like satirical horrorcore. Although I don't know if it counts as satire if it's like one of the first ones, but it's just dark humor. I thoroughly enjoy it. There's a whole song about suicide, and it's just telling people to kill themselves, which sounds awful. But the people they're telling to kill themselves are just awful people, and I just truly enjoy it. That's just you know that's on brand for me. Um, I think my favorite track was "Mama, What's a Grave Digger," um, and "Bang Your Head" is a good one. That's definitely a classic. And then I think, if I'm doing a top three, I would throw in de uh, Defective Trip. Uh, trippin', in, in parentheses. Uh, I just gotta make sure, because I wrote Defective Trip, but I'm pretty sure it's Detective... No, it is Defective Trip. It shows what I know. I, don't, I, I apparently know nothing about this album. I should probably listen to it again. Um, I might. I might. I don't know. Um, that's the thing. I like the album. I just had to stop listening to it after a while. It was the only thing I listened to for like five days, and uh, it just got weird after a while. Um, so, like, one thing that gets me about this album, and I'm probably like missing some key piece of information here, but no offense to Too Poetic, aka Grim Reaper, but whenever he comes on, I kind of just wish it was ODB. He sounds a lot like ODB. To the point where it almost sounds like he's doing an impression. Hello. Yeah, you do. Just show it when you leave. Um, it almost sounds like he's doing an ODB impression at times, and I'm. I know that's his own style, I think, but I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him. Um, it, it was just weird to me because why would you have someone who sounds so much like ODB but not have ODB? He was alive. This is 1994. It's just odd that he chose to work with someone so close, like him being RZA. It's weird that RZA chose to work with somebody who sounds so much like him. Um, and granted, like, ODB had his solo album come out seven months after, but... It just seems odd, and it's just odd that this was the first album that came out after 36 Chambers. I don't really understand why, because although it's like, an, it's like a pivotal album in horrorcore history and in hip-hop history, um, it's, it's, it doesn't stand out among the first, like, ten albums. Um, and it's just interesting to me. You know, RZA being the way he is, I'm not really surprised that he chose to work on his own project first. But I kind of wish he just did a solo album or something. I don't know. It's just weird. It's a great album, but it's just the timing of it was really odd. And the fact that he essentially has an ODB impersonator there kind of makes me feel weird. Um, and like I said, maybe I'm missing something. But I don't know. It just, it just doesn't always work for me. You know, his verses are funny, and I got used to them. But I don't know. It just seems like it should be ODB. It sounds like ODB placeholder. Anyway, yeah, so that that's kind of like where I'm at. The album is absolutely worth your time. The lyricism's tight, great storytelling, but I just can't binge it like I can with a lot of Wu-Tang albums, especially a lot of these early Wu-Tang albums that are that are just on point, which I will talk about more shortly after this customer, maybe. Okay, it's okay, it's just five bucks for the night. Just show that to get out later. Thanks a lot.
Um, so that's where I'm at with that. Great album, uh, historically significant, but for me, for whatever reason, because of its genre and the sound that comes with that genre, uh, I just couldn't get as deep with it as I did with these other albums. Um, it's more like watching a movie that makes you kind of cringe and feel uncomfortable, which it's fun, but then you want to like watch some like British Bake Off or something and make yourself feel better, you know? Um, so, shout out to British Bake Off. Greatest show on television, possibly. Uh, hang on, got customers. Hello. This is good, just five bucks for a night. Just show that to get out. Thank you, have a good one. Merry Christmas. Ooh, Renegade saying Merry Christmas. There you go. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Like, you know, as a as a person who deals with the public, I don't say Merry Christmas because I don't want to offend anyone, but if someone says it, I don't mind saying it back. But part of me thinks they're like, they're like fighting the, against the war on Christmas and they're like, I'm going to tell this guy Merry Christmas. It's going to blow his fucking mind. But, uh... Maybe that's not what's going on. I might, I might be reading into it too much. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on the first album of the Journey of the Woo Three, uh, Six Feet Deep by Grave Diggers. Moving on. Moving on. We're on to yes, a classic, Tikal by Method Man. I'm very glad to be pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I think last time I called it Tikal. And I don't know why, because he says Tikal, like, a lot. Like, <laughs> I think, like, half of Meth's songs, he says that word. And uh, I, I've heard it spoken before, and I just don't know. I don't know what happened. I've already apologized for this once. I don't need to do it again. Moving on. Moving on. Okay, so this album's the shit. Um, and it has a sound to it that has never been captured since. And the reason for that is because it was recorded all over the place while they were on tour uh, promoting 36 Chambers. Uh, just like stopping off anywhere to record at any time they could. Um, I don't even know where to start. It's, it's the shit. I mean, I'm just gonna, this is one little, one little thing. Uh, Meth says a quote that I can't read because someone's coming up. Hang on. Hey everybody. Jesse from the future here. Uh, what comes after this is about 20 minutes of customers coming in, so we're just going to fast forward through that. Anyway, back to this fucking quote. Uh, so he says, I was recording in some of the weirdest spots. Some of these places had mice and shit and coat hangers with a stocking cap wrapped around it for fucking popper stoppers. Popper stoppers, I assume it's like the thing you put over the mic to stop you from like blowing into it. Um, so anyway, uh, then he says, when we in the studio recording on some days, like when we did stimulation, I couldn't record the way I wanted because my voice was damn near gone from performing that night. Uh, and then he said, but the hunger was there because I really wanted to get that shit done. I was the N-word on the outside looking in, so I was comfortable. I knew that they didn't know what to expect from me, so anything I put out was going to work for me because I felt that it would. I had that energy and aura about me at the time. I had the upper hand. I didn't have to live up to a first album because there wasn't one. Everything would be fresh and new. Uh, so... 
I I think like that that kind of energy you're not getting that on any other album. It literally came from being the first album, along with uh, the the conditions he recorded in. Um, so one thing I really liked was I think the title track's amazing, and there's something really weird about it. And then in that article I was reading, Meth stated that he was high on angel dust and that he couldn't perform that song live for a while because he just like couldn't do it if he wasn't fucked up uh but now he can apparently uh but that's a great song biscuits is like i think one of the second or third songs uh not about biscuits it's actually about a gun it's from the perspective of the gun it's an inter the song itself is great even if you're not listening to the words but then when you listen closely it's a really interesting thing and one thing i really like about this track and a lot of these tracks is that meth's voice really mixes with the beat a lot like it's an instrument, like a part of the beat, rather than just his voice laid over the track. He kind of like weaves his way through the beat rather than just rapping over it, which I really enjoy. So, I don't know. I mean, this every track's great. Bring the Pain, that's a fucking classic. Uh, that one, I know Meth was sitting on for a really long time. Apparently, like, that original beat got destroyed in the, uh, the, the flood that happened in Rizzo's basement at one point. Uh, but he, he somehow brought the beat back and just was waiting, waiting to put that song out. And you can really tell because it is fucking tight. And I don't know, it's just it's fucking perfect. Uh, Sub Crazy has a great uh, like flow to it. Uh, what the Blood Clot is another one. Meth vs. Chef. Uh, All I Need, that's great. It's like I love a good gangster love song. Uh, I get my thang in action. That's real funky. Uh, the beat, I don't know how to describe it, but real slappy. There's a lot of like just slap bass I think going on or some something something that makes makes me think of a slap bass or playing the bass by slapping it. It's not a slap bass. You pay you play the bass with the slaps. It's not like a specific bass meant for slapping. Anyway, uh, um, it just works really well with Meth's like bouncy raps. It's just slaps and bounce. Slaps and bounces go together. Um, I guess if I had to choose a least favorite track. Releaseo Delph is my least favorite, uh, probably because it's like the most aggressive and the closest thing to a party song. I do like the beat. There's a trumpet in there that's really well used. Meth's rapping is great. It's a f there's a fun, weird little rendition of I Will Survive snuck in there. Uh, but it's just a little crazy for me, and it kills the vibe that's going. Like, I don't feel like I'm on Angel Dust anymore. I feel like I'm just at a party, and I want to feel like I'm, I'm at the end of a party, and and everyone switched from alcohol to angel dust. Um, and that's what I like. So, uh, yeah, just something about that didn't do it for me. I, it's a great song, it just kinda didn't go with the rest. Um, one thing I liked is when I was listening to it, I was like, damn, I really like this beat, I wish the song was more chill. And then PLO style comes on, it's got trumpets in it, and it really feels like a chilled version of the beat for Release Yo Delph which I think was kind of awesome. Uh, I just I don't know if that was on purpose or what, but it worked for me. Uh, another song I wasn't too crazy wa about was Mr. Sandman. It's a little manic, but I still like it. Uh, it does kind of kill that vibe that I enjoy, but it works for me more than Releasio Delph, probably because Inspector Deck's on it, and he makes everything better. Um, one song I mentioned earlier was Stimulation, uh, it's real CD sounding, and I love it. It has a different sound, and you can tell that the conditions were different. Meth's on a different level there, and it's interesting. 
Um, he really weaves his way through the beat again. And I think it's a great, like, official ending track to the album. I don't know why it doesn't stop there. On, on I think different versions might have different songs towards the end. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of the Method Man remix. Uh, it's just a song from 36 Chambers with a different beat. And I like the 36 Chambers version more, frankly. Um, so I don't know about that. But I just pretend the album ends with stimulation and then I'm happy. And yeah, so this album's amazing. It's really the nature of the way it was recorded that makes it more interesting to me than most of Meth's albums. Um, I think it might have to do with his like apparent perfectionism being challenged by RZA to make him record in all these shitty places. You literally never see that happen again. Presumably because Meth was able to record in more stable conditions, which is great, uh, but it just really added this... this kind of this X factor that you just can't capture any any other way. It was a real lightning in a bottle situation. Uh, that's it for Tikal. Uh, all in all, I don't even know. I'm, I'm scared to give anything a 10 out of 10, but it's up there. That's, that was one that I could just keep on repeat all day long. Just eight hours of a shift here in the booth. Just repeat, repeat, repeat. And that's what I've been doing with all these albums, but for some it's like a little bit more of a struggle. This was not a struggle whatsoever. So yeah. Um, just listenability, 10. I mean, I don't think I'm going to do this for all of them, but, you know, replayability, way up there. Uh, just lyricism, top-notch, beats, amazing. Overall feel, just phenomenal. I don't even know. Um, maybe I should start doing that for all of them. You could do, like, um, yeah, overall feel, beats, lyrics, delivery. For me, like, the main thing with an album is just that overall vibe it sets. So that's, like, the main thing. And then I love, like, the beats itself, themselves, and I like the lyrics. I guess I like the delivery of the lyrics over the lyrics themselves, so I'll just order it that way and then x factor right so i would say for grave diggers overall feel uh awesome really in a scary way great it's like being in a horror movie if that's what you're into uh for me the beats are like meh they're not great they're they're not bad but they're nothing like mind-blowing delivery of the lyrics phenomenal uh, the lyrics themselves, hilarious. And does it have that X factor? I don't know, actually. That's it's kind of mid-range on that. There is, there's an X factor to the album itself. I'm talking about Grave Diggers right now. Sorry to bounce around, but, you know, got to keep up. Listen faster. Uh, does, it does, does Six Feet Deep have that X factor? I want to say that it does. It's a special album. It does have that X factor. Um, for me... Though Tikal has a different kind of X Factor, one that makes it a goddamn hip-hop classic that you can just listen to over and over and over and over and over and never stop. Um, so, I don't know, that X Factor category might be a weird one. So, anyway, yeah, I'm gonna start doing that with like all these, all these different albums. I'll do the, the, I'll sort of break them down the same way. Um, We'll see how long that lasts. I might forget about it at some point. 
Um, moving on. We've got one that at first I didn't like on Journey of the Woo 1. I don't think I liked it that much. Journey of the Woo 2, I did like it, but I didn't get to listen to it enough times to truly appreciate how amazing it is or how amazing ODB is. The album I'm talking about is Return to 36 Chambers, the dirty version by Old Dirty Bastard. It's so fucking weird, but it grows on you. It really does. The intro track, I first, I hated it, but I really like that he almost makes you think he's just going to start singing parodies of classic songs in his own weird ODB way. Um, and then he's like, ah, just kidding, fuck that shit, check out this album, it's fucking dope. And then we bust into it, and there's just so many, so many classics. Uh, you can't hate Shimmy Shimmy Ya, that's a goddamn classic, like, fucking god-tier classic, absolutely. Brooklyn Zoo is definitely one of my top five albums. Uh, I'm still disturbed deeply by the intro to Going Down. He does that weird voice where... It's from, I mean, kids used to do it all the time. I used to do it. And it's also the sound the girl makes in the ring. <clears throat> it's where you do this. And he does it for so long. It's so horrible. Um, I really hate it. I hate it so much. And I get that it's ODB's thing to kind of be weird and make people uncomfortable. But I just want everyone to agree that it's horrible. Um, and it's a, Going Down is a great song. And it sucks that it starts that way. But it's all right. Um, Drunk Game is fucking weird as shit to me. Um, I do see the comedic value to it, and it's fun to listen to. And it's fun when you're just listening to the album once. But when you listen to it, like, dozens of times, it's just not It's not listenable. You hear it once, and you understand. Like, how many times do you want to hear ODB fake an orgasm? Like, it's, it's just... It's not something you want to just play over and over again. Um, I think my favorite track is snakes it's really really gritty tells a story it's everything i like from a wu-tang production plus killer priest is there uh brooklyn zoo 2 uh, is definitely a top for me as well um it's like seven and a half minutes long uh but half of it's like a pretty normal odb song and then half is just like weird live stuff with odb just dropping knowledge and it's fucking amazing um and then yeah i mean protect your neck to the zoo that's a fierce track cutting heads real nice too like it's a great fucking album um i i i i'm a fan i'm an odb fan now uh it took a minute it took a minute for me to understand but now i fucking get it i get it and i love it hang on a sec hello how good how you doing we do show that ticket to get out later Whenever people ask me if I take plastic, I, I want to pretend I don't know what that means. Just be like, no, we only take money. Like, why would I take bits of plastic from you? I don't know if it's funny or not. I haven't shopped it around enough. But I just think it'd be funny if I pretended I'd never heard that term used before. And I'm like, no, we don't take plastic. We take cash and credit. Who pays with plastic? What, what are you even talking about? Plastic coins? Plastic money? I don't know. We'll see. I'll work on it. Uh, yeah, and I definitely have a new appreciation for ODB. For me, I, I used to only like it when I heard him on Wu-Tang albums. I couldn't handle him, like, as the headliner. 
Um, but I don't know. It's like something just clicked. And all of a sudden, you just get it. And you just hear these brilliant lines and just just crazy. Like, no one else is like ODV. Except for Too Poetic from Gravediggers. <laughs> but he, he was a clone. But, yeah. Like, no one else is like him. I mean, YDB is a little like him. That's his son. I do like him. But he even, to me, at first didn't do it for me because it sounded like he was doing a ODB impression, but I gave him a pass because he's literally his son, but um, he's grown on me for sure. But yeah, there, there's really no one like ODB, and I don't, I never appreciated it until recently. Uh, Alright, so yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, I, I'm an ODB fan now. I didn't give him enough of my time before. Um, I always appreciated him. And I liked him in Wu-Tang, like I said, but I couldn't get down with his, uh, with his solo career, so that's that. Um, so there, those are the, the three, that's, that's the first three albums in Journey of the Wu 3. Uh, I rated them as such, uh, you'll, you'll probably be able to guess, uh, what my ranking is, but, uh, the top one was to Cal, easily. Uh, with uh, ODB's 36 Chambers Dirty Version coming in second um, and followed by Six Feet Deep. Um, but it was close, you know. Six Feet Deep, like I said, I can't fault it for not having replayability. Oh, that was the thing. Overall, what am I... Yeah, I was going to judge it by replayability as well. Um, so... So yeah, the replayability on um, on Six Feet Deep wasn't as good just because of the genre. It's hard to fault it for that, but you know it did affect how much I would listen to that album. So I I do have to take it into account. I'm mixing up this format, but I am going to try to do these six different uh, like categories for how I'm thinking about the album for each one. So. Uh, Going back real quick to uh, ODB's album, Return to the 36 Chambers, the dirty version. Uh, replayability, it's like, I don't know, a 7 out of 10. Uh, I, most of the songs are easily replayable. There's just a few that just kind of get to me. But um, I wouldn't rate it as low as 6 Feet Deep. Just because for that album, it's like the album as a whole is hard to listen to over and over again just because it's horror core um so anyway uh yeah for for odb's album the replayability is kind of midway um i should do what do i do like a one out of ten for this shit i don't know um overall feel overall feel is like a 10 it makes you feel great listening to odb makes you feel awesome uh for the beats on that album i mean top notch just some classics on there i had no problem with the music the delivery, yeah, it's ODB. Uh, it's phenomenal. No one raps like ODB. The lyrics, also great. Uh, ODB's lyrics are insane. Some of his rhymes and the things he says are fucking absurd, and it wouldn't work if anyone else said it, but it does with him. And of course it has that X factor. It's ODB. So, there we go. Those are the, those are the six categories we're going to go with each time. I think that's a good way to kind of rate these in a structured manner. So, that's it. That was the Wu-Tang Minute, although that was far more than a minute. 
Um, yeah, that's fun. Journey of the Woo 3 has been a lot of fun. It's, the other two were kind of marathons, and this is just like a... No, the other two were sprints, and this is like a marathon. We're really taking it slow, just getting a nice pace going, and we're, we're diving deep. So next time, I'll rank a few more, and then see how they stack up against the first three, and it's going to be fucking awesome. So that's it, though. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, I'm just going to pop into my notes here, and then we will slowly end the show. Um, so yeah, at one point, I was deep into Spotify, listening to music I've listened to already in the last year, um, and and in the last decade. It's been fun to kind of look back on all that. But anyway, uh, in an attempt to kind of switch things up, I ended up for some reason, just searching UK Grime, which is a type of hip-hop that I'm kind of curious about. And uh, I, I, I stumbled upon a playlist, and the first track on the playlist was by this guy who just goes by Dave, which I thought was hilarious. I really love that a rapper from the UK, or any rapper, is just going by Dave. Like, you can't just Google Dave. You have to Google Dave Rapper. And then you'll find Dave. But, um, I don't know. I just thought it was very bold to just go by Dave. Um, and it's not even, like, an exciting-sounding name or anything. It's just Dave. So, that's all right. I like Dave. Dave is very fucking depressing. He has some mental health issues that he really talks about a lot in his album, Psychodrama. It's absolutely amazing. I thought it was a great intro to the genre of UK Grime. I know that not all UK Grime is this depressing. It is a dark album, but goddamn, really, really liked it. Shout out to Dave. Uh, yeah, just, you know, Google Dave Rapper, and you'll find him on the, on the internet. Or, or go on Spotify or whatever and just look up Dave. The album Psychodrama is probably a little easier to look up. Uh, but it's a good one. Um, I don't know. Just just throwing that out there because just wanted to talk about music a little bit. Uh, you know, as I do. Opinions are pointless. Yeah, don't listen to anything I have to say. But if you feel like it, check out that album if you want to be bummed out. Moving on. Uh, my next note says, I might hate art. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I really, sometimes when I start looking at a lot of art or I go to like an art show or something, it's not even like the art, like I love artists and I love a lot of the people I work with and work around, but I just, I don't know. Sometimes I just don't like most art. I started hating some, I don't know why. I think it's a fun idea, like, on the surface, but the more I look at modern still-life art, the more annoyed I get. I think it's because I don't like still-life in general, and so modern still-life is just, like, I don't know, obnoxious to me. Like, how many paintings of, like, cell phones next to soda cans will there be? There are many. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why it bothers me. It just does. It's because still life bothers me. Um, realism bothers me, for sure. I don't know why. It's just because, like, okay, I appreciate technical skill 
when it comes to art. I, I absolutely do. But, when, like, when I first discovered hyper-realism, right? It's like people... Sometimes it was just, like, a ballpoint pen will create something that looks so unbelievably realistic. And if, say, it's, like, a person, they're, they're adding details down to, like, skin pores and stubble and, 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 like, little beads of sweat and, you know, stuff like that. And it's amazing. It's really amazing. But essentially, you're just a camera. I feel like, like, maybe you should just take pictures of the thing. I don't know. It's, it's technically impressive, you know? Like, someone spent a lot of time and, and energy learning to do that. And it really takes, you have to have a good eye, have a lot of patience, have a lot of, like, technical skill. Like I said, putting the ink down or, or the pencil or whatever. Like, you have to, you have to know what you're doing. And I love, that's fine. I like that. But it, like, it stops being art at some point for me. And I don't know when, but something about just someone drawing a photorealistic picture of a person doesn't do it for me now because it just looks like a picture of a person. Um, no offense to anyone doing modern still life. Like, keep at it. Do it up. Especially if it sells. That's awesome. But, uh, I don't know. It's just something about still life and realism is boring in art to me. Like, there needs to be... I want... I'm impressed by, like, the idea more than I'm impressed by the execution of the idea. Yeah, like, I don't want to offend people who do this kind of art. I do think it's amazing. But for me, there needs to be, like, a good idea involved. Like, if you have the skill to create hyper-realistic works of art, why not do surreal stuff? Like, if Salvador Dali just painted portraits of people, no one would care. But he used his skill to create these insane worlds. And why wouldn't you do that? Why would you waste all your time just painting, like, a pear? Or, you know, next to another pear? It just doesn't do it for me. Hey there. Good? Five bucks and show that to get out later. Thank you. Like, you know, do what you want, and I know people like that stuff, but it just doesn't do it for me. I don't need to see a thing that I can just see in real life. I think art is an opportunity to create something that you would never see in real life, and for me, that's what's exciting. Um, and so, I don't know, I just get annoyed sometimes with art, and I think deep down maybe I just hate all of it. <laughs> Hey there. Good. It's just five dollars for the night. Just uh, show us that later to get out. That's it. Thanks a lot. And yeah, I just I don't know. Sometimes I just get so immersed in art that I start to hate all of it, <laughs> and I don't know what to do about it. Um, but I don't really hate it all. It's just I don't know. They, things bother me more. Um, like things that I wouldn't have any reaction to suddenly make me react. Which sometimes I, I gauge as a good sign. Like, okay, so basically for me, there's like four reactions to art, if I'm trying to like categorize them. There's, the most common reaction is nothing. I don't react to most art. You see art everywhere, all the time. And most of it does nothing for me. Um, the other one that's like the second most common is like hatred, cringe, outrage, uh, etc. But for me, that's like a positive thing. There's a lot of paintings I look at, and they make me anxious 
sort of just this weird they make you feel uncomfortable mess with your eyes you know and i really like that um i would it's like the kind of thing where it's like i don't want that in my house but i appreciate that it exists and that somebody made it um and a lot of art for me is like just stuff that pisses me off but in like the best way i think one i don't remember the artist but it was hanging up at the soda plant, it was just a picture, blue sky. The whole thing is just blue sky, but the bottom of it is just the very top of the Prudential, of the uh, John Hancock building in Boston. And you're only seeing like the top like 10 feet of the building. And it's only like 5% of the actual picture. The rest is just blue sky. My first reaction to that was like, fuck you. Fuck you for making this ridiculous thing. Hey there. Yep. And, uh, I like that. I like that it pissed me off because it was such a. Gr it's a great idea. I think the idea is great, um, and I think it's just so like silly and kind of absurd, and it works. And I'm pretty sure it's sold. Like it. It was great. It was a great picture, but I also hated it, uh, which is interesting. That's what I do like about art. Hello. Hi. It's just five dollars for the night. Okay. Is there a handicapped yeah, I mean maybe they're to the right if there are. It's just pretty busy with that Flynn show, so I don't know what's available at the moment. But if there are any, they're off to the right side. No problem. <clears throat> um, yeah, we have a lack of handicapped spots, but I can't do anything about it. I wish I could. I wish I could just decide which spots were which. I would just make them all handicapped so that no one could park here and I wouldn't have to do anything. Um, anyway, so yeah when I see something that pisses me off, I now gauge that as a positive reaction to the art. Because I love that someone took that, that picture. I love that somebody decided they didn't need to show the building, just the very top of it. I knew which building it was. It's a great picture of the building, and it's a really, like, interesting way to present it. Um, but my first reaction was, like, that it just was dumb. But that made me stop and think, like, why do I think it's dumb? And then I thought about it, and I decided I liked it. Um, so then... After that, you've got there's two other reactions that are more positive but less common. I have the po I have a positive reaction to the idea itself, um, not the way it was. I don't care about the way it was made. I don't care how many hours someone spent on it. Nothing, none, none of it matters to me. But it's just the idea. The idea makes me happy for whatever reason. Um, you know, like for me, one of just a like a example of like my own art. Uh, my painting of just a bunch, there's two sheep and they're looking at this tray of cocaine and like they're not doing the cocaine but they're thinking about doing the cocaine and for me I feel like that idea is amazing and so that's why I have that painting priced pretty high because like technically it's not that great like it didn't take a lot of work for me to make it but I feel like the idea is excellent and that's what you're paying for you're paying for the idea and so I look you know that's how I think about paintings a lot is like what I pay for this idea and then the least common reaction is actual awe, you know? I'm, I'm rarely, like, taken back by art, um, but I have to imagine it could happen. I honestly don't think I've seen anything that really, like, is awe-inspiring. It's like, I, I know things, I see pictures of things where I think, I bet that's crazy in real life. Um, but... Uh, for me, that's a really uncommon reaction, but it's still there. It can happen. I feel that it's in there, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I have this weird, slightly negative view of 
most art. Um, and I don't know where it comes from. And even my own stuff, like, I'm pretty cliche in that I dislike a lot of the things I create. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But that's just the thing I noticed lately. Um, I kind of, it, it, it comes and goes. Sometimes I think, like, all the art I see is phenomenal. I don't know why, but just that's how I feel. And, but most of the time I'm just, like, scrolling through Instagram, just scoffing at stuff. But, I don't know, I do think I'm surrounded by a lot of talented artists, and I do like a lot of the things I do see, but um, all in all, especially when I branch out from, like, beyond Vermont, beyond people I know, um, I start, like, judging it a lot more harshly. So, maybe that's all it is, but, I don't know, that's my rant on, on me. I might hate art, I don't know. Anyway, uh, moving on. What else? We got some notes more notes one note uh my, my girlfriend actually just sent me a tweet the tweet says don't thumbs up my text just say you fucking hate me which i always i feel that way and i think i know where it stems from and i'll tell you in just a second hey how you doing this is five dollars for the night just show that to get out later thanks a lot uh, um, yeah, so from for me, I think it comes from when I'm in traffic, I don't like flipping people off because I don't want to like start shit, but I do like giving thumbs up to people doing dumb shit. Um, I really like when someone's like, you know, when someone gets a little overzealous on a left turn and they pull like halfway out into the road and then they realize like you have to wait for the cars to stop coming, but they didn't realize that until they're already in the middle of the road and everyone's like stopped waiting for them to go. And, and you know, if I can make eye contact with them, I love to do that and give them a nice big thumbs up and makes them really feel stupid. Uh, so for me, when you get a thumbs up text, it's like, it's like the fuck you thumbs up. Um, and it's such a low energy thing. Like, I I try not to take offense because I understand this isn't a normal outlook. But, you know, fuck you too for your thumbs up. You might as well just say K. It's just like that response where you're like, a thumbs up. I just get a thumbs up. Imagine that in real life. Imagine you're having a conversation with somebody and instead of words, you get done talking, they just give you a thumbs up and they don't say anything. Like, that would be the douchiest fucking response. Like, you go up to your coworker and you're like, hey, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I uh, fixed that problem with the stuff over there. And they just give you a thumbs up. That's it. Just a thumbs up. Just a thumb, just a thumb in the air. That's so fucking lazy. So, anyway, fuck you too if you give me a thumbs up emoji. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, I think people who leave the spotlights on their decommissioned police cars are sadistic. There's no reason for you to leave that thing on there. You don't need that spotlight unless you're maybe like a delivery driver. But just be real, people who have left their spotlights on their decommissioned police cars that they bought. You left that thing on because it makes it look more like an active police car. Because you want people to think you're a cop because you're fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Why would you want people to think you're a cop? They're just going to drive slower and dumber around you. And leaving that light on is so odd. You're, if, if, unless you're using it for, like, work. Like, when I delivered Chinese food in my youth, 
I had a spotlight not attached to my car like a psycho, but it w did come in handy. And I can see how it would be useful for that. But you don't need it. And they do come off. And it's just fucking weird that they leave them on. And every time I see someone with one, it's like, are you just pretending you're a cop? Is that your thing? It's fucking weird. You're just doing it to make people nervous. And you're, you're a psychopath. So stop it. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, I don't like when people use the word creative as a noun. When someone says, I'm a creative. No, you're a creative person, a creative individual. Like, creative is an adjective. I know that in the dictionary, it's the second definition of it is the noun definition, but that's fucking stupid. You shouldn't, the second, third, fourth, fifth definition of a word doesn't fucking count. Those are just definitions people put in later when everyone just stopped, when everyone just kept misusing the word, and, and Merriam-Webster got fucking tired of it, and she's like, whatever, we'll just put it in our book, you assholes, you goddamn creatives. So I think you could, if, if you're really a creative person, you could come up with something more creative than calling yourself a creative. You're a creative person, you're a creative individual, you're not a creative. That's fucking weird. What does that even fucking mean? Shut up. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, last one. Uh, I don't like when people refer to their, their romantic partners as partners in crime. Don't call yourself partners in crime unless you're literally committing crime. It sounds fucking stupid. You're not fucking Bonnie and Clyde. Just, just stop acting like you're a unique couple. All right? You're not. Stop it. Stop trying to take all the glory away from the actual criminals. If you commit crimes together, sure. Call yourself partner in crime, but you're not committing crimes. I'm happy that you're, you know, I'm happy for you, but you're not committing crimes. So stop it. Stop it unless you want to go commit crimes, and then, you know, then you can say that. But until then, stop calling yourselves partners in crime. All right? Moving on. Moving on. Hey. Hello. There you are. See ya. Oh, that's about it for today. And uh, it's 7.30 now, so the show that everyone was piling in for the entire time I was recording this has now started. Uh, so now that it's chill... Um, I think I'm about done. We'll see if we got a whole podcast out of that. I think I did. Uh, so yeah, I got my show in February, uh, the Valentine's Day food porn show, coming to 30 Odd, which is a store on Pine Street in Burlington, Vermont. Coincidentally, the only place where you can get food porn stickers. Uh, literally, they're the only ones who have them right now. I gotta make more. I sold all of them. Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for that and an ear out as well you know keep keep everything out for that uh should be fun it's gonna be a little smaller i usually do like i don't know i think the least i've ever done is eight and the most i've done is like 12 or, or so um for food porn shows i'm i think i'm gonna stop at like six uh just keep it small um and try to have some prints and stickers available of the of the originals that i have which doesn't ever happen i always come up with stickers like the next year um, and so every show I just have like merch from the last show. Um, but that's it. Um, I don't know. I'm going to try again doing a video version of this, but
but I think I'm going to have to not do it in the garage because I need to use my microphone, which is too sensitive for in here and it picks up too much noise. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to start incorporating a video side of things, but, um, just, just give me some time on that. Let me figure that one out. Um, I don't know. That's about it. Uh, I'm trying to just kind of keep this show going. It's only been, I think, a couple weeks since the last one. I'm going to try to keep that up. Uh, it's it's sometimes hard to think of stuff to talk about, but so many things bother me day to day that I can pretty much make a show out of anything. Um, so I'm going to try to keep this going. Don't forget to follow Jesse Miles Podcast on Instagram. Uh, should be a real shit show. Uh, and I hope you enjoy that. Um, I don't know. I don't have much else to talk about. So, uh, as always, please don't make the world worse. No pressure to make it better, but please don't make it worse. Uh, or if you do, Please just let your intentions be known like a supervillain. You know, don't be weird about it. Just be up front. So, uh, all right. That's it. Talk to you next time. That's the end of the show. <laughs>